Hey everyone, welcome to our Good Friday service live stream. Tonight it is good to be with you. It's so cool that we can be together um, for this very sacred and beautiful time uh, in the calendar of the church. A couple of things I want to tell you about for tonight. One, um, we are going to be having communion. Um, so that means if you're able to get around and get some elements, uh, whatever works for you is fine. Um, it can be water and bread or a cookie, whatever you, whatever you want to do. Um, but just make sure you have those ready um, for the service today. And also, I just want to let you know, uh, today's a, an interesting service. It's going to be really fun. Uh, Pastor KJ and Pastor Stetson are going to be sharing kind of in a conversational type of format. Um, so we do have our chat open on our online uh, stream today. Um, so I encourage you to engage in that. I'll be on there. Uh, Jenny's on there. Mariana's on there, I believe. And we are going to be inter interacting together in our time uh, during the conversation. So if, if that's something that you would want to do, we encourage you to be a part of that as well. Um, guys, I'm really looking forward to this. I, th I think this is one of the most special services um, that Christ Community offers throughout the year. And um, it's so cool that um, there's people even now, um, you don't see them, but they're coming on in uh, to the, the services right now. And it's really cool that you all are joining in as well. So we are looking forward to spending some time together, to looking at the cross together and worshiping God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Good Friday service. We're really, really glad that you're here with us. Um, hopefully on your way in, you got what you needed to join us in receiving communion at the end of the night tonight. Uh, if you're with us online, hopefully you have something to eat or drink so that you can join us too. Uh, I was thinking about Good Friday, and to me, out of all of our faith traditions, I think Good Friday, at least for me, is the most introspective. And for that reason, the only way I've been able to appreciate it is if I'm able to be really present. Uh, our lives are really busy and chaotic. Uh, they can get out of control. And sometimes it's hard to transition from out there uh, to here. So we wanted to start tonight by giving you a few minutes to be able to just sit and be still and be silent and be here. So to do that, I wanted to play you a song that always makes me think of Good Friday. Uh, it wasn't written for Good Friday, as far as I know. Uh, if I could guess, I would say it was a song written to mourn the loss of a teacher. And it makes me think this is exactly how I would feel if I was one of the disciples after Jesus was gone. Um, it's equal parts lament and gratitude. Um, so maybe it'll speak to you, maybe not. But either way, just take the next few minutes to just be still and be silent and allow yourself to be here.
we thank you that you are here and that you have brought us into this space to encounter holy things. Thank you for tonight, for the things that are about to happen, and for all of us who are experiencing this time together. In Christ I pray. It is really good to see you all here. I am, I am super excited for our experience. And by saying I'm super excited for our experience, it is um, possibly our first Good Friday that I am, like, I feel full um, mm-hmm. compared to c- coming here and feeling like a heaviness or a sorrow. Um, I feel full. Um, and I hope that comes out during our time. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and it's good that we did because this is we're we're not quite sure how this is going to go. We just told each other like come full, and uh, and that happened because I am coming full. Our our goal is so so our conversation began by talking about how to plan our service, and he had an idea. Idea of how the service should go, and I had an idea of how the service should go, and it was going back and forth, and they were both pretty awesome. Yeah. And so the two of us are doing service together because they were both pretty compelling. Yeah. The goal of this time is for us to have a conversation about Good these Friday. things. Yeah. yeah. That, that we've been thinking about, and uh, not just with each other, but with all of you too. And on top of that, he and I are, like, very, very good friends. Uh, he and I have been, been side by side for a long time. And there's something compelling about that. Yep. And, and so it's an honor to be here and to share and to experience Good Friday as the sun is going down. Mm-hmm. So I was t- t- telling him, coming here, as service is going to begin here the sun is going to begin to go down. And that's the beginning of, of, of Hebrew Sabbath. Yep. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful because of how, how, how Sabbath begins. There's a breaking of the bread and there's yep. the cup and it's the Abrahamic covenant as the sun is going down. And furthermore, it's Passover. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so many profound things, poetic things that um, about the season of Passover that's happening now that probably I could talk about for hours and hours and hours and hours, but I can't. (laughs) Yeah, it really is this convergence of all these different things. And and I think that's kind of what's behind a lot of the things that we've been like looking at. For me, just like the season, it's been this convergence of like totally unintentionally, the things I've been reading and the things I've been listening to have all ended up, like I've been listening to this podcast where it ends, like, like it arrived at Good Friday, and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's this week, and this is the most prepared I've been to truly experience it. All right, so, so I'm just going to begin to begin at the place, so if, ah, it's, so it's all right to help him hang out. You know, we're I at will. Table. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, yeah. so if, if, if I am beginning a sermon on, uh, I'm going to talk about Passover, right? Because that's the thing that I 
care about, and that's yep. what I'm bringing to the table. And um, so just a quick summary. Um, Passover is celebrating the time that the Hebrew people had been, been in slavery. There's mm-hmm. the 10 plagues that are happening, or the, the 10 things that God is doing, and the final thing is Passover. Over. Over. It's the angel of death is coming to kill the firstborn son of everyone except for, uh, for God's kids who put the blood on the doorpost and pray that the angel of death passes over. That's the term pass over. It's, it's a very simple thing, but it's, it's perfect. I mean, I was telling him, coming over here, so I just sat in the fact of like this idea that people would pray that death is going to pass their household. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The idea that their sons could be killed and they're begging the angel to pass by Mm -hmm. and they're putting blood on the doorpost. And so the Hebrew people did this, and, and, and that had been the final thing that, like, broke Pharaoh's back. And he said, get them out of here, and it set the Hebrew people free. Yeah. And that's the origin of Passover. And so from, from the, that point on, the Hebrew people celebrated Passover during the actual, it's Passover. It's now. Yeah, and, and it can't be a coincidence that Jesus chose to come to Jerusalem on Passover when everything you just said embodies everything that was going to happen Don't afterwards. jump that I'm far. I'm not going to go that far. I have tons of things I know, about I'm that. teasing it. Yeah, do not go I'm in that. I'm teasing it. Okay, good. Did you see that we do your own matching thing. today? This yeah, we did not plan this. Okay. He and I showed up and I was like, no. <laughs> I love it. He hates it. Uh, so I, I, th- I think the theme of the things that I've been thinking about is like, what am I missing? Because everything about the days leading up to what you're talking about, it, it feels like the things that I'm learning, is like, oh my gosh, Jesus keeps saying, you're missing it, you're missing it, you're missing it. Like, how can I make this any clearer? So for example, uh, Palm Sunday, right? Uh, it, it was leading up to Passover, and this was in Jerusalem, which was under the control of the Romans, and Passover made the Romans, like, really nervous. Because why? The, the Jewish people, they were celebrating the time that they overthrew the most powerful force in the world and, and exited. Uh, and here's the Romans watching them celebrate, basically, what they don't want to have happen. And... Uh, what makes me smile on Palm Sunday today is the reason why people were carrying a bunch of palm branches, like, it's not just something that they have on hand, but there's this group of people called the Zealots, and they might be my favorite group of people out of the different groups here. they were the group of people, they, to the Romans, they were terrorists. They, they felt like the way to overthrow uh, the Roman Empire, which was oppressing God's people, was by force. And the zealots had a symbol, and it was the palm branch. And 
It's also not a coincidence that people were walking around with palm branches during the holiday where they're celebrating how they, as a people, overthrew the most powerful force in the world at the time. And so it's funny that like we give our kids palm branches, yeah, on like palms, and they're on walking Sunday, in the lobby, like, they were saying happy, wave, yeah, waving this terrorist symbol of military <laughs> right. overthrow. It's like yay! It's like, but it's cool because they're learning yeah. about Jesus and they have no idea. Um, but then Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, and they're waving palm branches. Okay, so explain that mm-hmm. because I heard this thing about how how Caesar came coming by horse or something? Yeah, it was actually Pilate. Pilate. So Pilate, he would get on this big white horse with a battalion behind him, and he would march into Jerusalem from the west to basically tell the Jewish people, it's like, we know what you're thinking, we know what you're celebrating, don't even try it. Like, it was just like this military parade of force coming in on the east. It's possible at the exact same time Jesus was riding in on a donkey. From the opposite direction. From the opposite direction. And people are waving palm branches of like, yes, it's happening. And Jesus is like, I'm on a donkey. Like, I'm not going to do what you're hoping I do. And it's made me think, like, leading into this Good Friday, it's like, what are the things that I am hoping Jesus will do, and that's just not what he's going for at all. Like, where, where does my agenda end, and where does his begin, and what am I missing? I love that. It's, it's like being open to the surprises and the epiphanies of, of God, because that's, yeah. that's the thing that happens during Passover, though. I mean, like, okay, so going back to the Passover thing. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I care about. It's beautiful. Um, so <laughs> after the actual Passover happens, yep. the Hebrew people go out into the desert for 40, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And that's like this poetic eternity. Yep. And then God has this promise at the end. And then there's this fortified city called the city of Jericho. Mm-hmm. The day before uh, the Jewish people go and begin to surround the city of Jericho is the day before. Let me guess. Was it Passover? Yes. And they march around the city for seven days, Mm -hmm. the season of Passover, and it falls. The city falls and collapses on today yeah um that um it it kind of it kind of feels kind of like god plans things um yeah it's funny how that works out that way but it isn't just poetic it's it kind of almost feels kind of like geometry and quantum physics and i it feels yeah like it feels more of a hand holding it's all happening Mm -hmm. uh the son of pharaoh is dead, the people are set free, Mm -hmm. Jericho collapses in, promises held, Yeah, you know, like this idea of Passover and the angel of death and blood on the doorpost and praying that death doesn't come to our household. Yeah. Um, It's a big thing. Mm -hmm. And even like listening to those stories that I've heard as a kid, I, I take them for granted. They make too much sense than they're worth in my mind. 
like in my head, it's like, oh yeah, if you march around a city seven days in a row blowing trumpets, the walls come down. Like that's just science. Like that's what happens. Like, right. but it's like, no, like what? What happens on no that seventh day? What, what happens, happens, happens on the seventh day? Yeah, it's like let's let's slaughter a lamb and rub its blood on the doorpost. It's like, oh, of course your kids aren't gonna die when the angel of death goes through. Right. That's just science. It's like, no, like. It's just this element of faith of like, I'm, God is just like, okay, in an unexpected way, I'm going to make things right. Make I'm, all things new. Yeah. And then Jesus comes in riding on a donkey. But before he came in on the donkey, he came to the city two other times before that mm -hmm. on Passover. Yep. I mean, like, like there are these biblical like hitting hard, it's like like God really, really cares about his kids, and he really cares about this specific season. In fact, like a ton of the Bible happens during the season of Passover. Mm -hmm. um, like most of the stories that are like on the top of the list of like, these are Jesus' stories. These are the things that he did coming through, like tipping tables over in the temple. Okay, like, yeah. So, so that is his first time that he came to the city over Passover, right? Yep. Um, he has the, um, the, the whole thing about he turned the water well, in into wine. To wine. Yeah. That, that happened just before Passover. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a bunch of really cool things about that, this very prophetic uh, type of thing. But then he comes into the temple during his first Passover there in the city, and he, it's, it's called like he cleanses the temple. Um, during this time that people are coming to offer sacrifices or buying sacrifices, and he begins and says, no. Mm -hmm. And then furthermore, he prophesies, here's what's cool, like, this is on Passover, right? Mm -hmm. He prophesies, he says, so if the temple is destroyed, destroyed. it will be back, built, built back in three days. three days. Like, he does this at the very beginning of his whole journey yep. um, during the Passover season in the holy city, mm -hmm. in the temple. Yep. And then looking back on it, the bigger picture, you can see him saying, it's like, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? Do I don't think he it expected yet? it. I, I think at least for us today, like looking back, it's like, just in the back of his head, it's like, do you get it? Do you get it? No. Do you get it? I don't get I it. Do. I've done, <laughs> I have done the good Friday service so many times. I have done this service so many times, and I was coming here today so excited because I still don't get it, mm. and I love that. Nice. I'm coming from a different angle. Like, I think I finally get it. You don't. <laughs> His second Passover, the second Passover, he comes back, and that's the feeding of the 5,000. Um, that, that people say there's this poetic journey of it's, it's how God took care of the Hebrew people out in the desert for 40 years. It was this, uh, this, this 
miracle and the painting of this picture of the God who sustains and takes care of. Uh, the first Passover had been uh, the cleansing of the temple, the, the, the kicking out, the mm-hmm. prophecy. Then you have this idea of God the sustainer, the provider, the, the feeding of the 5,000 happens. Yeah. And then it's the last Passover. Yeah. That's cool. Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Do it. Shift it. So after Passover, uh, I, I heard this perspective. There's this guy, his name was Thomas E. Schmidt, who he either taught or went to school at Cambridge. And he was reading Mark's account of what happened after Passover, leading up to the crucifixion. Whose account? Uh, Mark's. Yeah, the gospel. Uh, okay, as far as the gospel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my like, friend Mark. this guy yeah. named Don't Mark? Don't you know Mark? Yeah, no. He's a good guy. Um, no, the gospel of Mark. Mark's account of, of the crucifixion, and based on the things that he'd already been studying, he's like, I've heard this before somewhere. And he realized that there was a parallel uh, between something that was pretty common knowledge in the time and place that the crucifixion happened and the ways that led up to Jesus being crucified. So let me lay this out to you. I got a cheat sheet. I couldn't internalize all this in my head. All right, when a Roman emperor was coronated, there was a ceremony. Uh, And one of the first steps of the emperor getting coronated is there would be this battalion of soldiers that would gather together in this courtyard, and it would be kind of like this commissioning of the emperor of like, okay, let's, let's get ready to do this. Uh, Mark 15, verse 16 says this, and the soldiers led him away inside the palace, which was the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion. So, big group of soldiers in a courtyard with Jesus. Step two of the coronation Royal robes are placed on the emperor, and he's given a wreath as a crown. Verse 17, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. Mm. Step three of the coronation, they led the emperor in a procession through the streets. Verse 20, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. Uh, step four of the coronation, uh, there was a sacrifice. There was a bull usually in the procession. Uh, and there would be someone who, was, who would be carrying the weapon that would be used to sacrifice the bull. Uh, verse 21, and they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Uh, Step five of the the coronation, the procession would arrive at Capitoline Hill in Rome, and this place was known as the place of the head. Mm. Uh, There's a whole, like, mythology behind that. Um, But verse 22 says, and they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. Step six of the coronation, they offered the emperor wine mixed with myrrh, but he would dump the wine out. He wouldn't drink it to show just like his superiority. Like he didn't need a thing. Uh, Verse 23, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Step seven of the coronation, the sacrifice was killed. Verse 24, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Step eight of the coronation, 
the emperor would have a representative on his right and left side, and they would have this line of prisoners, and he would go through and just, based off of whatever he wanted to do, he would pronounce either life or death, just to show that he had the power and the ability to pronounce life and death. Uh, verse 27 says, and with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. And in other accounts of the crucifixion, he actually tells one of them, it's like, you're pardoned. Like, you're going to be with me in paradise. Step nine, the emperor was proclaimed Lord and God. Verse 32, the people there said, let the Christ, the king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And in John's account, it says that they actually nailed a sign on the top of the cross that said, Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then verse 10, uh, every, or step 10 of the coronation would be everyone would wait for a sign to prove that the emperor is God. A lot of the times they would plan these ceremonies on the day of an eclipse or something so they could point at the eclipse and be like, look, see, like, he's, he's God. But verse 33 says, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour which gives so much more weight when the centurion is looking at everything that just happened and there's this earthquake and he says, oh, this man is the son of God. It was kind of like how this was all done. It was like God is, is talking and our vocabulary compared to us trying to speak in his. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's the whole, do you get it yet? Mm -hmm. See, you're getting it now. Mm. See? I'm starting to understand Good Friday, By Stetson. the end of tonight, you're going to get, get it. it. And I'm going to help you get there. Um, um, <laughs> and then I'll be left like, yeah. oh, he brought up so many good points. I don't yeah. get it. Um, but it, it totally turns it on its head because, like, so often my perspective of Good Friday is Jesus is the victim. Like, look what they're doing to him. But this is his victory procession. And I'm not trying to spin it in a way of like, oh, like it's a good thing, like Good Friday, like it's terrible, but at the same time. No, but like, it is. And, yeah. and, and something you brought up that I think is, that I've been, been thinking about a ton is how um, the journey towards the city and the journey outside the city um, it seems that um, during the time of Christ and during the time that he taught, and especially during the time of Passovers, he goes, goes there into the city mm -hmm. only to bring people out of it. He mm -hmm. goes into the temple and has the goal of bringing people out of it. Um, there is this cleansing idea and the sustainability outside of it, mm -hmm. um, come out of the city, be baptized in the desert yep. type of, of theme yep. to the point that it's, it's like the big thing happens outside the city. The, the, the crowning of Christ, uh, the salvation experience, the atonement, the, the God dying for everyone mm -hmm. is not happening as a spectacle inside the city, 
but it's happening outside the city, behind, uh, beyond the city walls. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something to that that is just simply profound. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of the reason why they did crucifixions outside of the city was because Basically, the people who were getting crucified to the public's eye, it just meant that they were erased from the face of the earth. Like, it was part spectacle and, like, part warning of, like, don't you dare do this because here's what happens. But they didn't do it in the city because of how abhorrent it was. Like, it was a very violent version of cancel culture of just, like, oh, good. okay, you're, you're gone now. Like, we're going to take you out. Like, the elite of Rome, they wouldn't even talk about crucifixion because of how disgusting they thought it was. Like, it was just very taboo. Like, they don't talk about the people, they don't talk about the thing. But Jesus is embracing that identity. And wait, yeah, go and ahead. think about it. And yeah. it's, it's happening, like, like during, okay, I've, I've already said this, like, 75 no, times. No, keep going. It's and so it's good. happening during the Feast of Passover. Yep. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's the time that all the Jewish people from all over are coming, right? Like, it's like a festival. So all the other times that, um, that the Bible talks about Passover, it's the time that everyone's home. Everyone's coming back. Everyone's here. And so you got to think about the hustle and bustle. And, and there are, are so many more people in the city than are typically Hair, right? And so, 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 and they're all coming for the temple. They're all coming to experience the grace of God that's celebrated yeah. during Passover. Yeah. That's a very simple concept. However, like, they are coming to experience God's grace and to celebrate he had grace on us. Mm-hmm. At the same time, God himself is hanging outside the city, the place that people aren't. Yep, struggling to breathe. Struggling to breathe. However, everyone is inside the city, inside the temple, celebrating God's grace. Yep. Clueless. I love it. I do too. So this touches on something I came across in a book I've been reading. Again, not intentionally planned. I've been reading this book. His name's... Jürgen Moltmann, he was a soldier for the Nazis in World War II. And he got captured. And in a prisoner of war camp, there was a group of Christians that came through to like tend to their wounds and care for them. Um, that alone is incredible. And through them, he says he didn't find Jesus, but Jesus found him. And he realized how far he was on the wrong side of history and just like couldn't believe what he had been a part of. And his perspective, like one of his big perspectives on the crucifixion is like he thinks it's so profound that just like you were saying, Jesus goes outside of the city, outside of the temple, and it's there that he's crucified, almost like he's putting a stake in the ground of like the people who are being erased, those are my people. I almost feel like everything he does is outside mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. And like, the, I mean, like, this is crazy. where my ministry starts. Yeah. So I actually wanted to read a short part of something that he wrote. You are so prepared. I know. I'm sorry. You're amazing. You're amazing. Uh, 
<laughs> Can you guys just leave? And go <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, he wrote this, and, and he's talking about how on Good Friday we often like, we internalize, we go into the city, into the temple, but that's the opposite. So he said this, the symbol of the cross in the church points to the God who is crucified not between two candles on an altar, but between two thieves in the place of the skull where the outcasts belong, outside the gates of the city. It does not invite thought, but a change of mind. It is a symbol which therefore leads out of the church and out of religious longing into the fellowship of the oppressed and the abandoned, where this contradiction in the cross and its revolution in religious values is forgotten. The cross ceases to be a symbol and becomes an idol and no longer invites a revolution in thought, but the end of thought in self-affirmation. So he's basically saying this point. It's like the cross doesn't belong here on the stage. The cross is in Lincoln Park, where the homeless people are right now. The cross is in the parking lot of the strip club. The cross is in the apartment complex where all the refugees live. Like The cross is in the opposite location that you would expect it to be. And I've been bringing it in here. I've been so convicted by that lately. Like part of me is like, I shouldn't be here right now. I should be somewhere else. I've, I've been missing it. It's kind of like um, I've been trying to figure out um, how, how, it, how it holds hands, but I'm sure it does somehow, um, that the fall of the city of Jericho and the there's this curtain um, that's there in the temple of the holy the holy of holies um, that 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 God is behind and I, I kind of say that tongue in cheek because there's something about that that says it's just not the character of God to hide mm-hmm. behind a curtain mm-hmm. and but I don't know. Anyway, it's a conversation, right? Yeah. Okay. So something um, just clicked by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm just going. like and I'm and and it's kind of like the only p- person who could go in and talk to God as this high priest during a certain time of year and and during the crucifixion of Christ when he died and the fall of Jericho and the son of Pharaoh dies and people are set fr- I mean like there are all these things in my head that are all like like hold, you know and this curtain breaks in the holiest of of human places mm-hmm. and God isn't there mm. yep he's hanging on a cross you know what I mean like yep. it's like God isn't behind the curtain. It's like the Oz thing. Yeah. Um, it's like, no. Mm-hmm. Um, this, like, he's been on the other side all along. Or I don't know. Like, that's, yeah. you know? I just, I just had another epiphany, just thinking about it from a strategic perspective. If God wanted his people to have Jericho, why would he cause that city's most strategic defensive advantage to crumble? the thing that keeps everybody else out. But he takes down the thing that mm. separates his people from everybody else and says, this is the city I want you to be a part of that doesn't have walls. 
And then the temple curtain rips, and the priests are like, no, that's what keeps that separate from that. It's like, no. And like Jesus comes into the temple flipping tables in the area of the temples where the Gentiles worshipped. And nobody cared because they're just the Gentiles. Like, we'll keep, like, the money changers and, like, the people selling pigeons and stuff out of the place where the Jewish people are, but, like, we can sell stuff there. And Jesus is like, no, this is where they worship. Like, no longer these things of distinctions of, like, the people that shouldn't be in, but it's like the walls are coming down, the curtain's being torn, we're cleaning up the area where the outsiders get to come and worship. But the temple, the thing that causes the temple to be such a special place for the Jewish people, like, it's, it's the thing, because that's the place that the sacrifices happen. Yep. I mean, like, mm-hmm. again, it's a very simple idea, but the only sacrifices that are acceptable to God in the Hebrew culture is inside the temple. Yeah. Do you see? I and do. everything that Jesus is doing is bringing people outside the city. Yep. Um, p- p- places that you don't get baptized before you go into. Mm-hmm. It's a calling out. And there is this theme of then if there isn't the t- temple, if the temple falls down, who will build it back? Mm-hmm. And where is God? Right. If he isn't behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. So, and I think it brings us back to this idea of the simplicity of Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I have... Over the times that I've been a pastor, I've tried to bring like a ton of these poetic ties Mm -hmm. to pass over. And um, there's this, and there's this, and there's this, and we can connect all these dots. Um, But it seems that the crucifixion of Christ and God seeing us, knowing, oh, the angel, I mean, oh, this is so embarrassing. Knowing that the angel of death is prevalent and, like, coming yeah. hard. Yep. It's imminent. Yeah. And keep going. Yeah, and, and um, there's this idea that, that the firstborn son is going to die. You know? Yep. And, and he himself, being born in human form, mm-hmm. was a perfect, um, dies on a cross. It isn't a poetic tie to Passover that happens to be happening during the same time as Passover. It is Passover. Exactly. Um, it's like... Uh, it is like the ultimate blood on the doorpost. Yeah, it's like Passover. Mm-hmm. It's the all of us are praying that the angel of death passes over our household yeah. for ourselves and our kids. Yeah, and for years the Jewish people are 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 are, are putting this blood, you know, and celebrating God, you know, over and over and over again, and it's like. This is the final Passover. Mm-hmm. 
um, that the angel of death doesn't come here anymore. Yep. I will do this to set you free so you know who I am. Come out into the desert. I will feed you and sustain you. There are promises ahead. Can I show you who I am and who you are? Yeah. Come out of the city. Yeah. And it's not just a sheep that causes it to pass over to spare the firstborn sons. It is the firstborn son of all causes, yeah. that causes it to pass over. Man, that's really good. Okay. I think it's time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the, um, the, oh, man, it's, it's kind of, cool um, because the actual sun is going down at this right. moment. Mm-hmm. And on, on Sabbath, um, the things that, that kind of, you know, bring in the Sabbath, there's this hurrying to prepare and this hurrying to get things done because after the sun goes down, it's like, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. you can't do anything else. Like, okay, yeah. we're done. And the first thing that happens So the head of the household is going to take a a thing of bread and break it. Yep. And and that's the thing that Jesus does. Um, And and then he takes a cup and he 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 shares it. And that's what Jesus does. And and this is actually like the symbol to keep holy. And it's the symbol of Passover. It's the symbol of covenant. It's the symbol of sacrifice. I mean, it Mm -hmm. is like, and Jesus takes it and he makes it Mm -hmm. the symbol. Yeah. It's the thing. Yeah. So I, I remember you saying this. Like, wasn't it a tradition of the Jewish people, like, when they would do this, they would, like, either they would go around the table asking, They like, ask the question. Yeah, so they break what the is bread. This? What is this? Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. the people in the house, they would actually, like, they'd say it's, it's the Torah. It's right. God's promises. Right. It's, it's uh, and blah, 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 blah. And then, and then Jesus they go, it. yes. Yeah. And then they would pass it around, and then he would hold up the cup and yeah. say, mm-hmm. Tell me what it is. And right. they would say it's the parting of the sea. This is the, um, the blood on the doorpost. It's uh, that kind of thing. And so Jesus, mm-hmm. having been a part of hundreds of Sabbaths, yep. being a part of quite a few of the holy feasts, had done that probably. But on his final Sabbath, his final Passover, he doesn't ask the question. He gave the answer, right? He says, this is my body. It's me. And like, so for the people that were hearing that, they're putting it all together. Like, Uh he is the Torah. He is God's promises. He is, I mean, like, oh, man. And then take it and eat it. And then this is my blood. Mm -hmm. He is the parting of the Red Sea. He is the blood on the doorpost. He is provision. He is the sacrifice. Take and drink it. Yeah. And that then he puts down the ultimate like 
trump card, and he says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Like he's saying, I fully know how often this is going to happen. It's going to happen every Friday night and every Passover. And, you know, like, but now... This is my body, yeah. and this is my blood. If anyone asks the question ever again, point to me. Yep. And that's why this is Good Friday, mm-hmm. because everything points to Jesus. All, everything points to yeah. Jesus. We have the answer now. Like, we know what it is. All right, I'm ready. Okay, okay. so let's take communion together. Um, for everyone here, um, there's a cup that you have, and for, for everyone at home, um, um, it's time for us to uh, begin by taking the bread. And the thing that's so cool is there are tons of people all over the earth who, is, who are doing the same thing now as the church proclaiming that Jesus' broken body is for us. Mm -hmm. So as you take the bread, hear him say, this is my body that was broken for you. Take and eat. Just like we talked about that same night after he broke the bread, he took the cup and he gave the answer. And he said, this is my blood spilled for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's do that together now. Can I pray for us? I know we have just scraped the surface. We could have this conversation for a thousand lifetimes and not get to the full expanse of what you've done for us. The depth of meaning and poetry and the effect that it's had on absolutely everything your intention from the very beginning being shown, giving the answer to the question, what is this? It's you. And just in the same sense as we don't know how to even get beneath the surface of this, would you help us to know what to do with it? Help us to take what you've done out of the church, out of the city walls, and find it where you've placed it, in the least expected of places. You put your stake in the ground among the people who are forgotten, the broken, the oppressed. Jesus, would you help us to 
remember the sacrificial love that you've had towards us and embody that when we encounter those who are being forgotten, who are without hope. And Jesus, thank you that we are not without hope, but we have you. Thank you for this night. Because of all this, we take some time and worship you together now. Church, as I was um, just praying for tonight, a moment here of worshiping him, I think Stetson summarized it so well, what I was feeling in my heart the entire day, which is that what was meant as a mockery of our king, that we're invited now to praise him because he is king. We get the opportunity to worship him where others mocked him. So whatever posture of worship you want to assume, let's just worship him for who he is and what he's done.
cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior and oh praise the Oh, 
of our hearts, have a worship God, King Jesus. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. So I'll stand, yes, I'll stand, and I'll stand with arms high and for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've endured on our behalf, on our, in our place. Lord, will you let the riches of your love displayed on that cross come alive again afresh in our hearts, God. Receive our worship, King Jesus. Amen. You guys are dismissed.